what is up, world? Welcome to another week and another episode on the RJO Show. And I know that that sounds different to your ears. That's right. We have a new theme song. Shout out to Bryson Treese, who is in charge of Slant Sports and all of its encompassing properties. He whipped up this new little ditty uh, for the beginning of the RJO Show. And I hope you like it. If you did, reach out to me. Let me know. And if you didn't, well, too bad. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for being a part of this experience. I love putting together the RJO Show and Ocho Live and Inside the Star, this, that, and whatever every single week. And as you know, probably by this point, because I have been blasting it everywhere, I was a part of a competition in my local area here in San Antonio, Texas. Um, Our local ESPN affiliate, ESPN San Antonio, had a competition called Rock the Mic, where they challenged people to come out, and you had a minute to give a sports opinion based on a particular team, particular subject. Obviously, I went with the Dallas Cowboys, and um, over 100 people auditioned with this thing here. It was a couple weeks ago, and they picked the top 12, uh, put all the videos online, and we had a fan vote. Uh, And um, like I said, I put this message out all over the place, and I just want to take a moment here on the RJO Show to extend my most sincere thanks and most sincerest sense of gratitude. I am deeply humbled and deeply touched by the outpouring of support um, that I received from Cowboys Nation, my Twitter followers, RJ Osho listeners, InsideTheStar.com readers, Ocho Live watchers. Thank you. Seriously, thank you so much. Um, I am very humbled and very proud to be a part of this gigantic family that connects us all. And um, it, it's it's just, I mean, I, I really am speechless. And so just an update on that. I'm currently taping on Tuesday, August 9th, this Friday, August 12th, the final four contestants, the top four vote-getters, I am... Um, I was fortunate enough to get the most votes. We will be at Slackers by North Star Mall in San Antonio if you want to be there. Uh, shout out to RJ Osho listener Chris, who uh, who was there and uh, really backed me up and had my back, took some pictures and stuff. And so if you you know if you can make it, come out and support, and they will be announcing the winner of the competition. So we'll see what happens. Keep me in your thoughts and prayers, everybody, and I appreciate it. But let's get to some NFL talk You know, here on the RJ Show. And we talked about last week that we're moving the RJ Show to two episodes per week, and that's what we're doing. This is the first one. So welcome to the first half of the RJ Show this week, and this is going to be our routine for the whole season. And later in the episode, I'll be joined by Chuck Zuckerberg, Zada of Inside the Pylon. Chuck is a good friend of mine and a great football mind, and we had a great discussion uh, about the uh, Hall of Fame game fallout, which I'll get to in a second, and we talked a lot about kickers. Chuck is a former collegiate kicker, and so he had a great sense of, uh, you know, knowledge on the whole situation. We talked a lot about the touchback rule change, and so we'll get into that in a little bit, but before we do, we have to do our traditional sort of setup here on the RJO show, and I know that things are really different. We had a different theme song. Everything feels out of place but we have to get to some uh, some NFL news by the way I have a few articles already out at InsideTheStar.com this week I wrote up an article if you're a Cowboys fan where I called the Dallas Cowboys defense Stranger Things the hit Netflix series and I compared a uh, member of the Cowboys defense to 11 different characters in the hit show and I thought it was a lot of fun so maybe you can check that out let's check out the Hall of Fame game that did not happen which was a really weird story Everybody was looking forward to this. Everybody was really excited. It was going to be our first taste of football. Granted, you know, it was going to be the Hall of Fame game. It wasn't going to be a big deal. But still, it was football. We were excited. And, um, you know, a few hours before kickoff, players went to warm up. Players that we like, you know, Adam Vinatieri, Pat McAfee, he's a name Chuck and I talked about. And um, the turf was questionable, man. It was kind of not good. The Hall of Fame committee, after some incredible speeches Saturday night, by the way, 
All of them are available on YouTube. And if you did not get to watch the Hall of Fame enshrinement, I urge you because the speeches are my favorite part. And I think it's so cool that the NFL is putting them on YouTube now. Go check out Brett Favre's. It was incredibly touching to hear him talk about, uh, uh, um, you know, the the details behind his his memorable game after his father passed away. And the NFL has also put that full game on YouTube if you want to go check it out and watch that as well. But um, so, you know, there's a lot of action. I've, I've been to the Hall of Fame twice. I've been to an enshrinement. And this whole thing takes place in the stadium. They sort of set it up and they put they seat people on the turf. They cover it up. And so it's a lot of weight that's constantly on the turf. And so in an effort to paint it and get ready for Sunday's game, um, you know, they, they painted and they heated it up to uh, have it dry quickly, but the heat combined with the uh, the rubber pellets that are in the turf and all this other science mumbo-jumbo, it led to the paint sort of creating a tar, uh, you know, uh, a congealant-type substance that, that is unsafe for players to run and, and jump and try to cut on. And so team officials, doctors, physicians, coaches, general managers, trainers, I mean, you name it, they were all out at midfield trying to get this under control. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame president David Baker was out there, and, you know, it just could not happen. So the NFL decided that it was in the best interest of all the players and their health to not have this game. It was really unfortunate, um, obviously, for us. But it does mean that the first national television football game of 2016 will be the Dallas Cowboys in Los Angeles at the famed Coliseum as the NFL welcomes back football to the Los Angeles market. So that's a cool thing. Uh, and like I said, Chuck and I will get into that a little bit later. But there's some news that's going on, and we got to kind of, you know, get all this in here. This is a jam-packed episode. This two-episode-a-week thing, I thought we'd have, you know, not as much to talk about, but that's not the case. And the first bit of news here, Reggie Ragland, the star linebacker who the Buffalo Bills took in the second round of the draft out of Alabama. Rex Ryan is pretty concerned about Reggie Ragland's knee here. Now, the Bills are, are in a precarious situation because they drafted Ragland thinking he would be a starter. Unlike the Dallas Cowboys, all NFL teams think that second-round draft picks can contribute to their team. But the Bills might have thought a little bit too highly of that. The Bills were counting on Reggie Ragland, and now because he has a knee injury, this injury could potentially keep him sidelined for the whole season. I mean, that's that's the deep fear here. And, you know... What doesn't bode well for Reggie Ragland and for the supposed optimism that exists in the Buffalo Bills front office is that the Bills have signed two free agent linebackers, Brandon Spikes, who already had a stint with the team and has had some legal troubles, and David Hawthorne. You know, an NFL team isn't going out and signing guys if they think that their guy is going to come back anytime soon. So Reggie Ragland, I mean, I think he's going to miss a significant amount of time to begin this season. And this is an interesting season for the Bills. I know it's Rex Ryan's second year there in Buffalo. But you look at it, if you're the Pagula family, Tom Brady's missing four games. The Dolphins have been a mess. The Jets have been a mess. This is the year for Rex Ryan. If he doesn't get it done, you know, he's going to have to answer some questions. And so moving on past the Bills, though, Jordan Matthews, the wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, he tweaked his knee. And uh, it's not as serious of an injury as Reggie Ragland's, but he is going to miss a couple of weeks. Now, if you're going to miss a couple of weeks, this is the time to do it just because it's the preseason. And so I'm not super worried about Jordan Matthews. Although this did sort of highlight the lack of depth 
in you know in the wide receiving core for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, they've got Nelson Aguilar who has a lot of potential, but beyond that, they don't have a lot of guys who they can count on. So Jordan Matthews' importance was sort of highlighted by this injury, and I think we're going to see the Eagles struggle from an offensive standpoint in the preseason. And and you know, hey, it's the preseason, but still. We're going to learn just how important Jordan Matthews is to the Philadelphia Eagles offense. And that offense is potentially going to be hindered for 10 games this season. Lane Johnson, the offensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, is facing a 10-game suspension for PED usage. Now, this is not bueno. This is not good cookies. And this is bad news for the Eagles. Lane Johnson has firmly denied this. He said that he has, you know... He's innocent, that this is a misunderstanding, and of course he's going to say that right now, but if the Eagles are without him for 10 games, that's going to be really bad cookies for whoever their quarterback is, whether it's Sam Bradford or Chase Daniel or if they decide to go Carson Wentz. So the Eagles did not have a great Tuesday, and uh, neither did the New England Patriots. Julian Edelman, the wide receiver who just came off the pup list, he had a what was described as a scary knee injury, and it turned out to just be a scare. Um, you know, he had come off the field and thrown his helmet, and people were upset. But it looks like Julian Edelman's going to be okay, so don't let anybody fool you otherwise. But Rob Ninkovich, the Patriots' defensive end, tore his triceps. Now, it is unknown exactly how long he's going to be out, but that is a big blow to, to the New England Patriots' defense. They count on Rob Ninkovich to, uh, to be a big part of how they get after the quarterback. And without him, without Tom Brady, with potentially Julian Edelman not being at 100%, we're going to see a new look New England Patriots team, and that goes back to the Bills and how this should be their year. I mean, it's going to be a fascinating, you know, fascinating ride in the AFC East this season, and and we are in for a fascinating ride here on the RJO Show. I'm really excited to get to Chuck Zada from InsideThePylon.com right after this break. Like I said, Chuck is a kicking just expert, and we talk about the changes that the NFL made where the touchback after a kickoff is going to be put at the 25-yard line versus the 20-yard line, and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So don't go anywhere. Hang on right here. We're coming back on the RJO Show. Cowboys Nation, training camp is here. The preseason is here. It's football season. For all of your daily Dallas Cowboys needs, you need to check out InsideTheStar.com. At Inside the Star, we have the best analysis on what's going on with America's team, and we cater specifically to you, the voices of the nation. We've got everything from the latest news to game previews, player profiles, to my weekly bold predictions column that's going to be awesome this season. Make sure you check us out on the web. Follow us on Twitter at InsideTheStarDC. Like us on our official Facebook page. You can get with us on Google+, Snapchat, or Instagram. Now let's get back to this episode of the RJO Show. So welcoming now to the RJO Show. I say this all the time, but I mean it because I have some really great friends. This is one of my best good friends to quote the Seminole, Forrest Gump. You know him for his quality NCAA and NFL football analysis and his affinity for kickers, both kickers and punters. Please welcome Chuck Zotta, ladies and gentlemen. How's it going, Chuck? RJ, I'm doing well, buddy. It is outstanding to be here. I know, uh, obviously, we had you on our pod maybe about a month ago, and uh, pretty stoked to be able to come over to uh, your place, you know, check out the living room, check out the kitchen, and see how everything looks over here, and pretty pumped for this. Yeah, me too, and um, I mean, mi casa es su casa, and you know, so help yourself, open the fridge, get a beer, some chips and queso, you know, we can just hang out and talk football, but um, this is, like, I tweeted this earlier, you know, today is Monday, you know, you guys are inside the pylon, I'm inside the star, this is, when, whenever we get together, it's just inside things, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. Oh man, you're 
There's so many different things that just went through my head that I am trying not to say right there. But I'm going to take this back to the PG level. I don't know how you uh, set everything up in terms of your, you know, do you go explicit or do you not go explicit on this pod? So I'll keep it PG in case there's any little kiddos watching. But, yeah, look, we're, we're just brothers from another mother here. We're just trying to get through the day, watch a little bit of football. And, unfortunately, we weren't really able to do that over the weekend. We thought we were going to. And we just couldn't, man. We just couldn't get there. I know. And you're obviously talking about the Hall of Fame game and the cancellation of it. And it's one of the most unique things to happen. You know, I believe that there are are moments in the timeline of NFL history that, you know, are pertinent to the NFL. And I think 2006 sort of serves as this point where the NFL really exploded into becoming the juggernaut that we know it today. And since then, this is probably... You know, the craziest thing we've seen happen in any kind of preseason game. What was your, your first thought? I just want to know, you know, immediately when you saw on Twitter or you got a text, you know, were you just like, are you serious? Like, did you not, did you know this could happen? No, my, my first thought actually was, well, that makes sense. It, it, it just, <laughs> it, it seemed like exactly what would happen at some point during an NFL game where, you know, we've seen it kind of along the periphery over the last several years where, you know, you, you have some some signs of incompetence behind the scenes mm-hmm. that haven't really fully displayed themselves during a game necessarily. I mean, we talk about bad refereeing, but that happens. Refs are human. And honestly, they've got a tough job. And I, I certainly don't fault them for mistakes that they make. But when we talk about the ability of the NFL to pull off and actually execute its events, it hasn't been something that's been a problem to this point until now. And and, and this is just, it, it was mind-blowing to me because, you know, you said, okay, there's there's been issues with, you know, we had the deflate gate investigation, which right. took, what, like 600 days to finally <laughs> come to a conclusion that, yeah, maybe there was some air deflated from footballs, but did it actually impact the game? No, it didn't. So we we've had that. We had botched ha- uh, handlings, uh, you know, of domestic abuse, obviously, in the last couple of years. We've had situations where the NFL, uh, you know, you look at the uh, the drug testing rules that are in place, and pretty much you have to be a complete idiot to actually end up getting caught by the drug testing. But for the first time, we had the NFL unable to pull off the one thing that it actually needs to be able to do, mm-hmm. and that's put on a football game. They couldn't put on a game because a bunch of guys, they tried to paint the field. They got nervous that the paint was drying too slowly. They heated the field to the point where the rubber pellets in the field turf melted. And what did we end up with? A concrete surface in the middle that just was completely unplayable. So it's, I almost view this, you know, you said that 2006 was when the NFL really exploded into this juggernaut. I sit here and I say, this is that moment where, you know, Mark Cuban talked about it, I think maybe two or three years back, where he said the NFL is going to get to a point where maybe they get too big and they start to run into problems. Mm-hmm. This is kind of that first part of that, the, the first part of that phase, I, I think. That's really interesting, you know, and I remember when Mark Cuban said that, he said that the NFL was going to oversaturate itself, which is ironic coming from the owner of a team who plays 82 games a year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that as, as the NFL grows and as big as it becomes, the, the pressure and the responsibility to put on a show becomes even larger. So, you know, each potential mistake is, is all the more magnified. Um, and, you know, I think in terms of hysteria, I mean, obviously we hadn't seen a game canceled, something like this. And, and, you know, obviously this would be a whole lot more dramatic and more juicy if it was, you know, a, um, a, uh, regular season game you know what I mean that would be I mean honestly it'd be kind of cool you know it'd be some interesting storylines but it kind of reminds me in terms of fallout 
of you, you said the referees of the fail Mary game between the Seahawks and the Packers. That was the last time I feel that there was this collective sort of unified opinion that was like, are we, are we serious? Is this, is this really happening? Is this the level of embarrassment um, going to happen? And so I want you to pretend for a second, you know, the, uh, the listeners can't see, but you know, you're dressed to the nines. And so I want you to pretend that you're, <laughs> you're, you're the president of the pro football hall of fame on a scale of one to 10. How humiliated are you that this happened? I'm, I'm somewhere in that nine to nine and a half range. I mean, I, there, I can't directly think of anything that would be more embarrassing, but there's something out there that is that I just can't conceptualize in my head. I almost like to take this, and I go back to, if you look at a different sport, uh, you remember the Major League Baseball All-Star game in Milwaukee maybe 10 years ago where they ran out of players and mm-hmm. Bud Selig had to call the game, and everyone's sitting there going, well, it, it's ending in a, it, a tie? Mm-hmm. And now we have the whole... Uh, this time it counts thing where they they you know play off in the all-star game for home field in the playoffs this almost feels like that all-star game where it's an inconsequential game it doesn't really matter and yet there are so many more eyes on this game now than there would have been if the game had actually been played think about how few people would have actually watched the entire game and no one would be talking about it today right. if they had actually played that game and here we are we're you know almost 48 you know 20 36 hours later and we're sitting here and we're going, this really happened? Like, this, <laughs> this, is, this is a multi-billion dollar enterprise that can't figure out how to paint a field. No, that, that's, that's what we've gotten to at this point. You're right. And, I, you know, you brought up baseball. And the other example that I think is, I think it was a year, year and a half, maybe two years ago, that the Orioles, you remember that the, the fans weren't allowed to go to that game? Yes, it, yes. I mean, it, it, just, it was during the... It was during the riots, right? Yeah, exactly, in, in yeah. Baltimore. And, and so, and, and I remember, you know, there were a lot of funny jokes and memes and clips and stuff on, all over social media about this Hall of Fame game, uh, referencing the, the scene in The Dark Knight Returns where the, the field implodes at Heinz Stadium. <laughs> yeah. But, but yep. that was how that Baltimore game, it, it almost looked like, you know, it looked like post-apocalyptic, you know, to, to have, it looked eerily scary to have this game going on with with nothing around it was it was terrifying and so this was I mean that level of just ineptitude just I mean but you know the reason I wanted to have you on the show um well two reasons one because you're you're incredible in every facet I mean literally every single it, you know it has to be my height right that's it true has to be my height I, I mean I, I believe that every molecule in your being is uh, is forged out of just incredible material but you see this game and this you know because I believe that the NFL is so much more than just a game that's played on 100 yards on Sundays. I mean, there's it's a it's a corporation, it's a show, it's it's an experience. And so I had I immediately had so many questions about this. I thought, well, does ESPN get compensated because they had the rights to broadcast this game? You know, but but within that, I mean, I you know, you peel back this onion in so many ways. I thought that Matt Hasselbeck was phenomenal. You know, you look at the additions to the Monday Night Football crew. You've got Charles Woodson, Super Bowl winner, obviously. You've got Randy Moss, who who will be in the Hall of Fame someday. And Matt Hasselbeck shone. And I thought his ability to handle a situation like yesterday, you know, as his first assignment uh, as a member of the media was oh, in, yeah. was incredible. And I th- I think, you know, this is a bit of a bold proclamation. I think that for the next 30 years, Matt Hasselbeck is going to become synonymous in terms of media coverage with the NFL. Well, look, I mean, he, he's a smart guy to begin with. And I think in particular, you know, you talk about the way that he did handle this situation here. And, and I tend to agree with you that, look, 
He's a guy who came into an unfamiliar situation. Uh, you know, he's a guy, again, he's, he's a BC guy. So, I mean, he's, he's from my neck of the woods in terms of where he went to college. I believe he's from, uh, I want to say either Utah or Colorado originally. But, you know, spent four years in Boston with BC. So, obviously, people in the New England region have an affinity for the guy. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, he, he was able to kind of deal with the situation that's there. The people that I really felt bad for during and after this game uh, and obviously, both of these teams have an extra preseason game because of the Hall of Fame game here. Mm-hmm. But you talk about, you know, the, either the rookies or the undrafted guys right. uh, that were hoping for a chance to shine and just were, didn't have the ability to go out there and just hit somebody just to, to prove that they belonged on that field. You know, you feel for those guys because, again, you and I both know average length of a uh, career in the NFL. It's, you know, three to four years if you're lucky in a lot of cases. And there's some guys that are hoping to get out there just make a little money to provide for their families. They, they're just looking for that chance, and they didn't get it. So, I, you know, in terms of you know, the people that I felt really bad for, you know, it's, it's those probably 20 guys at the end of each roster that are just hoping, hey, can I do something just to make the practice squad and maybe get a chance at a real game check this year? Those, you know, you, you feel for those guys who are out there trying to grind and make it. Uh, and they didn't get a chance on Sunday. No, I agree with you. And I mean, you you can open that onion in a whole lot whole lot of ways. You can talk about, you know, I, I, in a way, I feel bad for the the class of 2016 not getting their moment like everybody else does. But I think yep. I think that also somebody who we both felt bad for was Sean Swisham. You know, because obviously he he was injured last year on this field at Tom Benson Stadium. I, I hate that name, by the way. I wish it was still called Fawcett Stadium. But, um, <laughs> it, but you know, so the Sean Swisham story was a big deal uh, on Sunday evening and on Monday. And D'Angelo Williams, you know, never shy on Twitter. I don't, you know, I don't know if you know this, Chuck, but D'Angelo and I once we had a battle on Twitter. So I've I wear some battle scars from a. You beefed with D'Angelo. I did. Yeah, I wrote an article. Really? I wrote an article because he took some shots at, at the Cowboys, and uh, we had a little beef. So I, I mean, I, I walk a little taller because of that. Um, so you know, that was cool and a, a fun fact about me. But he, you know, he went to the defense of Sean Swisham, who obviously is is a kicker that the Cowboys know well and and that you know well because your area of expertise is is so special and and so unique in that it, it revolves around the gentlemen who who boot the football whether that's for field goal purposes or punting purposes now before we get into because i have a lot of questions on, in terms of kicking and kicking strategies and things like that what what uh what led to this you know and i'll, I'll say that i think that my favorite kicker in the nfl it was well, Dan Bailey, but my favorite just person who kicks footballs is pat mcafee that dude is incredible he's so cool oh Mac- mcafee's awesome man he's like you talk about, you know, again, someone who is A, at the top of his game, B, appears by all accounts to have just an awesome personality and, mm-hmm. and kind of gets rid of the whole uh, kickers or losers thing. I mean, McAfee, you ever listen to like some of the stuff that he's done trying out stand-up comedy and everything? I mean, he is just a funny dude mm-hmm. uh, by pretty much all accounts. So I- I'm right there with you. He's a guy that I love to watch both because, first of all, he's just really good at what he does, and second – you can tell he just loves the game. He loves just, you know, what it, he, he feels alive playing the game. You can tell he likes to do, you know, just about anything in there. He'll even try to lay you out. You know, you remember the hit on uh, Trendon Holiday uh, seven or eight years ago at the Pro Bowl uh, where he laid out the then Broncos returner on the sideline. I mean, right. you know, you, you, you talk about it, and it's just, you know, he, he's just an outstanding guy. But, you know, my path really, look, I was 
I had never played a down of competitive football until college. I was a soccer player all through my high school career. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the way that a lot of kickers end up going is at some point they realize they can't play soccer anymore, but they still want to do something. Uh, My point, you know, kind of came as a freshman in college where I realized, look, I've kind of maxed out my soccer talents, not going to be able uh, to play for the U.S. team, obviously, there. So I said, you know what? Still want to do something else. Walked onto the football team uh, as a uh, freshman in college and said, you know what? This is what I want to do. Spent four years or rather three years because uh, it was at the end of my freshman year when I did it. Three years kicking uh, up at Dartmouth College in New Hampshire. And honestly, it, you know what the game did for me and, and who it allowed me to become. You know, I was I was a small little kid who was still kind of shy and, you know, still kind of growing into himself when I first started out playing. And all of a sudden, you know, the three years I spent there, you know, it's it's something that really helped me grow as a person beyond what, you know, simply I learned from the game. You know, I learned things that I can apply just about everywhere. And so from my perspective, uh, it's something I keep with me just to try to make sure I can give that back, even though I'm not playing anymore, obviously. That's respect. And, um, you know, I, I'm glad you told that story. I think that the people should appreciate it. And so, um, I mean, kudos to you. And I, you know, I really want to just dive into kicking here with, with, you know, Dartmouth's greatest. You kicker. are the only person who <laughs> wants to do that. Well, you know what? It's, um, you know, and I'm not going to get all, there are three elements to the game here, but <laughs> th- you know, it's, it's an important part of the game. And I, I think, and I've said this before, obviously I'm a Cowboys fan. We, we just take for advantage what Dan Bailey is. You know, it's just, oh, you know, we got a 42-yard field goal attempt. You know, I'm going to go to the bathroom. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get another beer or whatever. And that's that's a luxury that not every team has. And so before I get started with these kicking questions, I have, I have a, a silly question, although it's, okay. it's, it's not silly. What's your favorite jersey number for a kicker to wear? Uh, oof. I mean, obviously, you can go with one or three if you're talking, you know, extra points or field goals. Those are always attractive. Mm-hmm. One in particular has a nice slimming effect just because it is so narrow. So if right. you are a little overweight, uh, that's not a bad direction to go in. I'm generally against two because either it means that the coach doesn't like you, he's going for two, or uh, there's a safety, which isn't good for your team. So I generally try to avoid kickers with the number two. Uh, four, you're talking Adam Vinatieri, one of the greatest kickers of all time, so that's not a bad direction to go in. Five and six, little nondescript. You're kind of in the middle of the pack there. It's you know kind of meh. I mean, nothing really stands out. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven, obviously, look, you're talking touchdown. Never a bad place to go. Eight was my number, so I'm always partial to it. But honestly, I'd probably go nine. Uh, nine was my number in soccer as well as in pretty much any sport through high school. Uh, unfortunately, did have to give it up once I started playing. Football was fortunate enough to end up with number eight. Uh, still end up in single digits there. But I'd, I'd go with nine. I mean, it's look, you're the biggest, you're the baddest of all the single digits right there. That's just how I think you need to roll if you're a kicker. I like that. And I am glad you sort of strayed from the double digits. I don't think kickers should wear double digits. It's a weird no. look. It's, it's wrong. And, and th- what I find amazing is all of the punters in college, m- what do you think the most common number is for a punter in college? I, so, I see so many, like, 98s and 99s. Yeah. It's like, it just doesn't look good on you. Look, you know, you just don't have the body for it. No, I think the punter should be one. Because I, I sort of just, like, see the leg. You know, and the leg looks like a one. I, I think, I think um, I, you know, Pat McAfee is the guy. Everyone just yep. needs to copy him. Uh, I, I like one. I wish I wish that punters could go zero because mm. I do think, uh, you know, part of it's just as a kicker, you always like to put punters kind of a little below you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just kind of, again, numerically, just putting them kind of, you know, OK, punters are zero. 
that's something that kind of works for me if I'm just trying to give them a little bit of crap. But, you know, whatever, whatever the punters want to do, they're a little bit of a different breed there, a little different even from us kickers. So it's, uh, you, you got to learn to roll with it when you're talking punters. For sure. And, you know, just for the record, you said different. I just want to make sure they're inferior. Kickers are better. I'm just going to say that right now. Punters are inferior. You, you know, you say you want to give them some crap. There's a whole lot of crap from, from us to them. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say anything, but since you put it out there, uh, I'm, I'm happy to just nod and say, yes, sir. Good. All right. So, you know, the kicking art is um, is so special because it's not just field goals. You know, I think that the kickoffs are, you know, just assumed to be, you know, null and void. They're just going to happen. It, it's whatever. And so we've seen, you know, this past offseason, I think that I think, you know, we're in, in, in August already. People are getting excited. Fantasy football's coming up. The preseason's obviously people have kind of forgotten things that have happened. And I, and I know that's going to happen to everybody at some point. You're going to see some player and be like, oh, he, you know, he signed with them. I, I forgot about that. But one thing that I think people forgot is that the NFL moved the touchback line to the 25 yard line as opposed to yep. the 20 yard line. And so I think this is really interesting from a lot of angles. And I, I think I'm going to do some writing on this, um, you know, because you're talking you have 75 yards to go as opposed to 80. I mean, that, that makes a huge difference. But, you know, when I first heard this rule change, I thought, OK, well, there's going to be more touchbacks. Kickers are going to sail it out of the end zone more often. You know, that was my first thought. And then I, I took a few seconds and I thought, well, wait a minute. I mean, if you've only got you know, if you've got less ground to cover you know, maybe you're going to get strategic with this and you're going to try to, to cough and corner this thing, even though it's a kicker, and trust your coverage team, you know, your special teams unit to get down there so you can pin them beneath the 25-yard line. And, and I think that that's, you know, that's smart. So, you know, as, a, as an expert in kicking, what do you think we're going to see here and what would you do if you, you know, if you were a special teams coordinator? So here's my perspective is obviously the NFL is trying to incentivize returners to not bring the ball out of the end zone. They want guys to take the knee and say, okay, we're going to take the knee and, you know, take the ball in the 25. But as you said, teams might say, okay, let's just try to kick the ball to the corner, put it right out there. And instead of them getting the ball in the 25, you know, kick it to the two yard line and then we'll get the ball, you know, tackle them after 20 yards and they get it at the 22. Right. I think when you talk about the actual execution of that, you start to run into a couple problems. And I, I think you may see some, but I don't think it's going to be as much as people expect. And there's a couple reasons. The first is, um, obviously, when you're punting and you're aiming at a sideline, you kick the ball out of bounds, it doesn't matter. Right. Okay? You can kick the ball out of bounds and there's no return. Well, if you're a kicker and you're doing a kickoff and you're aiming at the sidelines and you put that ball out of bounds all of a sudden you've got an illegal procedure there and the opposing teams getting the ball on the 40 instead of on the 25. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the first thing is I think the sideline, as opposed to being a friend for a punter sideline is an enemy for a kicker on a kickoff. Right. So it's a little bit different from that perspective. Second thing that I think you're going to see is I was uh, going, I was talking about this with, I'm trying to remember who it was someone uh, I want to say it was it was one of the PFF guys on Twitter maybe a couple months ago when they announced this and we were talking about it and we went back and we looked at some of the data on kick returns. And I think the average return last year was like 21 or 22 yards. Mm -hmm. So it's like, OK, if you get an average return and you kick the ball to the one yard line. You're going to pick up maybe two yards, but you have all of this chance of something crazy happening and the, the guy breaking it for a touchdown then. So if 
if there were more yards at stake, if it was a situation where a touchback was going to be at the 30 and uh, you could still kick to the one, I'd say, okay, maybe you see more of those. With it being so close, the one thing that you can definitively say about NFL coaches, they are risk averse. They, they don't like taking risk. We see it with, you know, how they manage things on offense. We see it with defenses where, you know, you're, you're not seeing all out blitzes from a lot of teams these days. It's a lot of drop six, seven guys into coverage, uh, you know, with four, maybe five man rushes occasionally. So from my perspective, NFL coaches don't like to take risk if they if they did like to take it. To be honest, you'd probably never punt the ball because a lot of studies have shown that punting doesn't really do as much as potentially going for it on fourth down as painful as it is for me to say that. (laughs) So I think you're going to see less of kickers trying to drop it at the one yard line than people expect just because NFL coaches tend to be so risk averse. I think you'll see some of it. You may see it from teams that like to uh, take a little bit more risk. So, you know, a team like the Cardinals where Bruce Arians is pretty much, hey, let's throw everything in the kitchen sink at it. Right. You know, you, you may see that from them. You may see it. Uh, from teams that do have uh, kickers with that skill. But, you know, trying to judge distance like that, especially when you factor in wind and everything, you know, you, you get that ball up there and, and it's hanging in the air for three, three and a half, four seconds. You know, the wind can do some things with it. And all of a sudden, the ball you thought was going to be on the goal lines now at the five. You know, it's, it's a little different picture for you. So you'll see some of it. I don't know how much. I think it's going to be really interesting. You know, it was a year ago that the NFL moved the extra point attempt uh, line back and, and you know we all kind of thought well you know this isn't really going to to influence much kickers or money from from this range I mean but we saw you know you look at the AFC championship game Steven Guskowski in you know the rarity of rarities misses an extra point early in the game and, and that ends up you know being a big point there you know in, in the in, you know, in the fourth quarter and so you know, while I, I don't think, and I, I agree with you, that, that we're going to see experimentation get really wild here, I do think that there's going, you know, we, we both know that the NFL is crazy. There, there are crazy, you know, we just had a game canceled because of, of paint, you know. And, yes, sir. And so I, I think that it's inevitable that this change is, is going to have an, a serious impact on a game. And, you know, in that moment, we're going to think, oh, my gosh, this, you know, it, it almost seems calculated from the NFL's perspective. You know, it's almost great story writing, if you will. And, and so let's let's try to get hypothetical here and, and, and put on your mad scientist hat. What's okay. what's a crazy scenario? You know, I want you to kind of predict how how this is going to, you know, wildly influence a game a la the the you know replacement refs with, you know, the fail Mary a few years back or the Steven Guskowski extra point last year. What situation and, and be as detailed as you can, could you see where somebody either tries to go for this and fails or, or you know, whatever, but this, you know, Joker card comes into play? Yeah, e- easy easy one for you right here. So team is trailing by seven points, okay? Okay. Scores at the end of the game. Kicker hits the extra point, even though it's a little bit longer now. We end up with a tie game called 2020. Okay. On the kickoff, kicker comes up, says, okay, we're going to try to put it, you know, in that corner, pin a guy deep. What's he do? Puts the ball out of bounds. Other team gets the ball on the 40. Instead of having to go, you know, 50 yards to get into field goal range, you're talking about having to go 25 yards, a mm-hmm. couple quick 12-yard outs, and all of a sudden you're right there. Other kicker bangs at home, 23-20, and you've got to win. You know, and it's it's those types of things that will change the game beyond what it is today. And this is why I always try to, when we talk about rule changes in the kicking game, it's not just what it does 
to the kicking game. It's the effect that it has on overall strategy. There was another uh, quote that came out earlier this year, uh, and it was from, I'm trying to remember who, I think it was, who's, uh, is it Dean Blandino who does a lot of the competition committee stuff? Yeah, and, and as a Cowboys fan, I'm well familiar with his inability yeah, you to know get Dean. that right. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry, man. It's not your fault. That's okay. Um, but, you know, Dean came out earlier this year and said one of the things that we're looking at heading into the 2017 season is potentially narrowing the uprights right. in order to make kickers worse. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, so you want kickers to be worse. So the couple of effects that that's going to have, the first is long-distance field goal attempts are going to go down. So instead of having a 55-, 56-yard field goal attempt, all of a sudden you've got teams punting from the opposing 38-yard line. Well, look, I love punters as much as anyone. I mean, I'm kind of nuts about it. It's not healthy, but I don't want to see punts that go 20 yards and are fair caught at the 15-yard line. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's not something that's exciting or that I think should be part of the game. But if you start narrowing uprights, well, all of a sudden you end up doing that. So I do think... You know, getting back to the issue of kickoffs here, you know, the fact is, and I've, I've looked at the data that was uh, released this summer on concussions and kickoffs. And what it showed pretty clearly, kickoffs, depending on the, the level of sport you're playing, have anywhere between a three and five percent or three and five times higher risk of concussion than normal plays. So there is no doubt that the NFL is trying to eliminate kickoffs. And to be honest, they may be right in doing so. The question is, what do they come up with to replace it? Because I don't like the idea of simply starting on the 20-yard line and calling it a day. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't think it's fair to the kickers. I don't think it's fair to guys who make their living and build a career off special teams who are starting out on special teams. So I want to see something that's developed to replace it if you get rid of it. Because I understand the health concerns, and, and I see that. You know, I I can talk to you about stories from guys that I saw knocked out on kickoffs and it's scary stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's but there has to be something that is done to still give those players the ability to make an impact on the game without necessarily putting them in harm's way that way. So, you know, it's it's tough for me to say it. I'm not opposed to the NFL moving beyond kickoffs, but find me a replacement so that we still have a place for those players who need to make a living that way. I agree. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. But the touchbacks after a punt this season, those still are at the 20-yard line. That's correct. Right. Now, see, I think we're entering dangerous territory here because it's almost subjective now that a kickoff from, from a kickoff, you know, kickoff perspective, you know, that touchback's at the 25, but a punt is at the 20. And I think that this changes strategy in a whole lot of different ways because – you know, let's say that, that the NFL, you know, we're talking hypothetical rule changes. You're saying narrowing of the uprights. Let's say they get to a point where the, the punted, you know, touchback is also at the 25-yard line. Well, then to your point, let's say if they also narrow the uprights, let's say you're on the 40-yard line, that's a 57-yard field goal, and you've got one of the, the weaker kickers in the league. But if you, you punt and it's a touchback, you're, you're only moving them back 15 yards. Uh, I mean, this is a an interesting I think can of worms that most people to your point sort of just roll their eyes and scoff at because it's punters and kickers but this is in a in a very small and almost undercover way changing the fabric of of the results of NFL games well it it is and what's interesting is that when you go back and you look at the history of NFL kickers Mm -hmm. okay 
what's what's so interesting is that if you look at how NFL kickers used to actually perform on field goals and you go back to like the 50s and 60s they were terrible by today's standards they made as many field goals from 30 yards as kickers today do from 50 mm-hmm. okay so like they were just not good and I, I can't imagine a world where you're watching kickers that are hitting at 50 to 60 percent overall just because we see kickers today the the nfl mark last year was 84 and a half percent so there you know it's pretty much five out of six kicks you're seeing going through the uprights and i think you know and, and i wrote a piece about this where kickers have continued to get better over the last you know 50 years in a pretty consistent fashion mm-hmm. and for some reason the nfl wants to take that away because they view kickers as being too good whereas at the same time if you look at quarterbacks and right, completion exactly. percentage somehow that's rewarded and so i'm not opposed to saying okay the game's too easy for kickers let's change this as long as we're being fair to other positions as well because you know i can tell you if you had a 70 percent completion percentage back in the 1980s i mean you were head and shoulders above every quarterback out there you were talking about guys that were lucky to complete 55 percent of their passes Mm -hmm. then so it's you know there are two kinds of rule changes that you can make in football there are rules to protect players and to make the game safer when we talk about you know chop blocks and so forth and hits to the head okay i understand what you're trying to do there are other rules that are put in place to shape the game the way the nfl wants and i really worry about those rules because it's you know it's something that is so arbitrary that what's good for one person may be bad for another and it just it's not something that is based in fact or in physics are in the natural beauty of football it's something that is based in what someone or some committee wants to see and that's something that worries me about football no i agree i mean um i understand as somebody who appreciates the sanctity of the game like you do that you're worried about the quality of the game itself and that that's why inside the pylon so great is that you guys approach everything from an objective x's and o's standpoint and that's i understand where you're coming from it seems like because you're, you're right you know it seems that you know completion percentage is, is on the rise and that's if anything rewarded you know you look at the the safety elements that are you know in place for quarterbacks and things like that and and we've had more 5,000 yard passers than ever you know we've had you know, you're talking you know in 2007 Tom Brady set a 50 touchdown mark that would only be broken six years later that's absurd right <laughs> that, that it only took six years for, for that record to fall um, so I think that you're right that there's a sense of bias in terms of the rules that are, are you know being put in place or adjusted or whatever. Not necessarily so that the quality of the game is better, but so that perhaps you know maybe the sex appeal of the game is better. But, you know, it's obvious that we're in in a fantasy football era. They want those types of plays, and and so I agree with you. It's concerning. Um, I'm curious though, with with all these kicking adjustments and the touchback rules, and you know you run into personal foul situations. What do you think we're going to see this season in terms of onside kick attempts or, or maybe surprise onside kick attempts? Do you think this is going to factor into that in any sort of way? I think you may see more in some situations. I, I do think, obviously, uh, you know, when you talk about the change on the touchbacks, you know, that's something that could influence it somewhat. I do think, look, if you narrow the uprights, you are absolutely going to see more onside kick attempts because it makes that long field goal much more difficult, so it lowers the risk of an onside kick attempt. It used to be, or it currently is, you onside kick, okay, and the other team gets it, you know, at the, you know, call it, you know, ball bounces around a little bit, and they end up with it, you know, 45, 50-yard line, yeah. somewhere around there. Okay, they've got to go, you know, 10 yards to get to 57. That's a long kick for a lot of guys. So you've got to go 
only 15 yards right now to get in range. If all of a sudden, if you narrow the uprights and a team's got to go 25, 30 yards to get in range, you're going to see a lot more coaches kicking onside kicks there. And that's something that completely changes the game. So, you know, these are the kinds of things that, again, I'm all for the NFL playing around with rules to protect players because I do think it's important to try to find ways to keep players on the field more, to try to keep them, uh, you know, doing what they love and how they're actually compensated. What I have issues with is the NFL tweaking rules simply because they want things to look different because right. it's you start to have unintended side effects and it's it's just not something that I like to see from the game. I like to see, you know, a simple and, and to be honest, the other thing when you start talking about these arbitrary rules, look you and I both love football and you and I both grew up watching football. I'm assuming that you did at least. Right, for sure. Think about how hard it becomes to learn the game if all of a sudden you're throwing in well a touchback is 25 yards yeah. here and it's 20 here like think about how hard that is to grow the game especially if you're adding yeah. in all of these new rules it's you know think about how much trouble people have watching baseball and how no you know you don't see kids watching baseball today but what do they watch well they watch basketball because it's easy to understand i got to put the ball in the hoop and i can't hit the other player right. that's what it is you know obviously you get to the nba level and you get all this flagrant one two technical crap and i don't even understand it but you know, it's you 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 want to keep the game simple because people understand it. No, I agree. Um, you know, especially with you know they have a lot of causes they're they're working towards. Obviously, you know, uh, making the game look and feel the way they want. But growing the game on an international level is is without a doubt one of the primary um, goals and mission statements of the NFL. I think in 2016. And, and so you're right. I I think it, you know. I although I will say I think that there is. You know, I think we're both really strategic and analytical thinkers, and so there is, you know, that that um, that side of you that that enjoys, you know, like like mind games, you know, if you will, to to consider the oh, sure. the, the multitude of, of possibilities, and so I think that's kind of cool. But but ultimately, I agree with you, and um, I mean, I, I'm concerned, but I'm I'm kind of excited to see how this touchback rule um, influences 2016, and what what I think is so cool is your approach to football because i mean we're here we've spent 30 minutes talking about a simple change and i think that that goes over the head of most fans because they're just like oh it's just five yards that's that's totally completely false it it, it changes I, I mean you know and i know because of the craziness of the game that it is going to determine probably a handful of, of games this season oh yeah i mean it, it's again the the longer extra point determined one of your critical it determined the afc championship game last i mean you're talking about one of the three most important games in the league last year mm -hmm. was determined by a new rule so it, it it always seems to happen like that i mean we can we can pretty much go back through a lot of these rule changes and somehow within about a year or two they find themselves uh showing up in some pretty big games so look i'm excited to see what we what we end up getting this season I just always like to caution the league, be careful what you wish for, because you may get that, but you may get a whole lot more, too. For sure. It's a definitely um, a flirtation with Pandora's box, if you will. 
uh, which is exciting. I mean, for, for you and I, I think it's exciting to watch and, and watch the madness unfold. Now, before I let you go, like I, I've, I've sort of said and praised your approach to the game of football from a mental standpoint and, and everything that Inside the Pylon does, I'm, you know, really, really proud to be friends. You know, we're a family. Like I said, we're the inside the family. Um, RJ, you're my boy. I I'll know. I'll do anything for you. So, okay. So two things before you go. One. Oh, boy. I want two bold predictions here from, from the, uh, the incomparable Chuck Zada. By the way, your mom is such a sweetheart. She follows me on Twitter and she's so great. Oh, she's the best. Um, she's the best. By the way, she's probably the biggest sports fan in my house, believe it or not. Yeah. A lot of times we actually, when we're watching big sporting events, we have to put her in a different room a lot of times because she's so loud that it's still like she's in the same room. That's the best. It is, it is unbelievable. She, like, she can be sitting at a sporting event. My, my parents live down in North Carolina, and so they go to a lot of Duke basketball games and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people will come up and they'll, you know, Carolina fans will come in and they'll be talking crap and this and that. And look, my mom's, you know, five foot nothing, hundred nothing, and she will put any person in their place going right toe to toe with them. Good. No problem at all. Good for her. She she did tell me she was a Patriots fan. Um, but since she's a Duke fan, I'm just saying Jason Garrett and Tony Romo and everybody they hang out with them, so I think we can find common ground here, is all I'm saying. Absolutely. So Absolutely. All right, Chuck. Two bold predictions from you. One, how this kicking thing is, you know, give me a, a bold prediction. I want, and I want you to throw the kitchen sink a la Bruce Arians out here. Something really bold that's going to happen this season as a result of this kicking change, the touchback change. And then I want a bold prediction for 2016 in general. It can be anything, um, just something that you think, you know, maybe a team that's going to win a division, maybe a player that's going to have an MVP type year. Whatever you want, bro. It's all you. Hit me. All right. So in terms of bold prediction for uh, this new touchback rule, I do think in the first half of the year, I think you see actually an uptick in the number of touchdowns on kickoffs. I think you're going to see teams trying to do what you were talking about. I think you're going to see they're going to find that it doesn't work as well as they think. And they go back to just booming the ball deep in the second half. So I think the first half of this year, I think you're going to see a lot more returns. I think you're going to see a lot more touchdowns. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, When we talk about bold predictions, okay, uh, I'm going to go with one that I made on the Inside the Pylon podcast maybe about three months ago, Mm -hmm. okay? And I'm going to say the Jacksonville Jaguars make the AFC championship game. Wow. So, But that's that's where their road ends. I think I'd originally said that they were going to make the Super Bowl. I'm going to say AFC championship game. But I do think... I think this is a Jaguars team that on offense has loads of talent. When you talk about the receivers they have, I think Blake Bortles continues to get better and improve himself as a, as a signal caller. I think on defense, you've got a lot of young talent that's probably still one to two years away from really understanding its role in the NFL and being able to physically compete day in, day out at the NFL level. But I think this is a team that is very similar to what we saw in terms of quality uh, to that Minnesota Vikings team that we had last year. Obviously more talent on offense here, I think. Mm -hmm. But I think this is a young team that is on the upswing. And I think, look, their time is coming. And I know fans in Jacksonville have been waiting for that for a long time. This has been a team that's been bad. I want to say, was it? Was it 99 or 2000 when they made that run to the AFC Championship game with Mark Brunel? It was, I believe, 1996. Um, their second. Real? Oh, wow. I, I, I be- didn't realize. Yeah, because I believe they lost to the Pat, your Pats, and uh, and the Panthers lost to the Packers, who would ultimately win that Super Bowl, because they almost had the expansion Super Bowl. Okay, that's right. That's right. So, you know, I think I think that Jaguars team is, is on the come up right now. I think they are... 
a year, maybe two years away from being a real force, but I think they surprised some people this year. I don't know if they necessarily, uh, you know, knock anyone's doors off. I think they probably get into the playoffs at, you know, 10 and six or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I think they surprised some people in the playoffs. And I think that they put up a good fight before going down in the AFC championship. And to be honest, they, they, they got a chance to make this Super Bowl. They are, they are so talented. It's just a question of can their young talent grow quickly enough? No, I think that's a really interesting and, you know, almost smart, bold prediction. You consider, I, I, I think, um, I feel similarly. Almost smart is how I like to refer to myself. <laughs> I mean, I feel similarly about the Jaguars, but I feel similarly about the Raiders. And you look at the, the, oh, yeah. the AFC is really interesting. Obviously, the Broncos are going to take a step back and, and your, your Pats are going to be, you know, you know, the Boston area Pats are going to be without Brady for four games. And so this this opens the door, and I think – if Houston takes a step back, we'll see what they do. And if Indy is not what they once were with Andrew Luck, I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be interesting. And the Jaguars are going to have that opportunity, similarly to the Chargers. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, the the Raiders, because the Chargers are trash, and and the Broncos and, and Chargers can't even get their first round pick signed. Oh my gosh, I, I can't believe <laughs> what you know. We, we talked about moms. I can't believe what Mrs. Bosa said. That was just incredible. Coming out hot. I mean, just. She just delivered us just a, a great hot take for, for the August days. Um, but, I mean, I'm excited. I mean, if there's a Raiders-Jaguars Super Bowl or AFC Championship game, I should say, I think we could say that we called it. Yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board. You, you and I had it first. Mark the tape. It's August 8th. We, we've got it right here. I agree. And, um, I mean, there's a lot of tapes with both of our voices on them. And I'm appreciative of that. You know, I've been on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast, and I'm glad to have you here. And I'm grateful for uh, for the friendship with you and Mark and uh, and everybody at Inside the Pylon. You guys, I mean, you talk about people on the come up. I mean, you guys aren't even on the come up as much as you have arrived. Inside the Pylon is the place to be for football jargon. I mean, it's um, I mean, seriously, dude, it's awesome. Well, we're not there yet. We're we're still working through it. We've got uh, got some other stuff to. Other stuff to come in the next few weeks. I'll give you a little bit of a big market tease there and kind of leave you hanging on that. But we've got some new stuff we're working on. But, you know, look, again, the, the thing that I've found, again, we get to talk to people like you all the time. I mean, RJ, like, we didn't even know each other a couple of years ago, and all of a sudden we're able to sit down and watch football and, you know, be able to chat even though we're, you know, on opposite sides of the country. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And obviously, look, I know that people get frustrated with twitter and the internet because half the time it sucks and the other half it really sucks but occasionally you find you know those little nuggets where it's just awesome and it's it's what everyone thought it could be man this is it it's it's as good as it gets right here and proud to be on with you happy to be chatting and, and it doesn't get much better than this i couldn't agree more i think um you know we talk about draft twitter football twitter things like that those those little fun terms those have revolutionized. I, I agree with you. I think the way that we consume this um, this sport and this game and this experience and it's it's made it an everyday thing. It, you know, it's uh, it's a lifestyle at this point. Yep, it, it it really is. And and I don't know about you, but I, I was saying this to someone else maybe a couple days ago. I was sitting there and I'm like, man, I don't know what it is, but this summer feels longer than usual just because. I have so much anticipation for football season now, and I guess I didn't quite have that before when I wasn't as involved. Mm -hmm. But you get it's like, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, it should be September already, but it's just, it's not quite there. And I'll tell you this, I haven't been so excited for a football season in my life. I can't wait for that opening. Uh, we're, I think it's 31 days away from yep. uh, NFL action. I think we're 18 days away from college action. It is, it's 
almost here, man. No, it's going to be great. You know, I've said before that I think Twitter is the greatest sports bar in the world because it's fully customizable. You can bring in whoever you want. You can kick out whoever you want. You can silence whoever you want. And, yep. um, and I just want you to know, Chuck, you are, you're in the VIP section of my Twitter sports bar. Nothing but love for you, my man. Nothing hey, man. but love. Hey, man. Thanks for coming on. Seriously, we have to do it again uh, multiple times throughout the season. Check in on the Jags and Raiders. And people need to check out Inside the Pylon and the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Anything else you want to tease, you know, don't leave us hanging. No, man. All I, all I got to say is, look, we'll get you back over at our pad maybe in a few weeks or so. And uh, we'll do it up once we actually get a little football going. All right. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Chuck. You have a good one. And thanks for stopping by the RJO Show. What's up, everybody? The RJO Show has doubled in length. That's right. We are in our mid-season form here, and this is the way it's going to work. Every week during the 2016 NFL season, we'll have an episode in the middle of the week just like this, where we have a guest on or something, and we talk about the latest and greatest storylines across the NFL. Then, on Sunday nights, after all the games have come and gone, we'll evaluate them, talk about them, and put out an episode as soon as possible. We're going to get things started this Saturday, August 13th, when my fellow staff writer, Sean Martin, joins me here on the RJO Show to talk about the Cowboys and Rams game, our evaluation, and we're going to integrate some Ocho Live so that we have a fun experience with everybody on both platforms subscribe to the show tell a friend and get ready because this season is going to be a fun ride for all of us here on the rjo show i want you to come on come on come on come on and take it take another little piece of my heart now baby Welcome back to the RJO Show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed that break, and I hope you're enjoying this episode. We are hanging out, having a great time talking about the wide world of the National Football League, and we did it with one of my great friends, Chuck Zada, who you can follow on Twitter, and you should follow on Twitter. Go hit him up at ITP underscore Chuck Z. He is one of the coolest dudes there is, and you will not regret following him on Twitter. Thank you so much to Chuck again, and if his mom is listening, I know she's a fan, Mrs. Zada. You're great, too. And um, seriously, guys, that was awesome and really informative. And I thought it was really cool to think about so much in the kicking game in the NFL. It's amazing how analytical of a game this can be, how you can break it down. You know, you always hear people say, you know, Belichick's playing chess while everyone's playing checkers. Well, I'm playing chess right now, and I wanted to play chess and think about all these weird things. Fun fact about me, by the way, I actually grew up playing chess uh, when I was in middle school, I was on the chess team, and it was really cool, I promise you, and we actually got second place at Nationals, no big deal, if you live in Brownsville, you're one of my Brownsville listeners, then you know how big chess is in the city, and I'm proud to say I was uh, part of the group that helped make it like that, but there is, uh, there's just so much going on, it's so exciting just to have the, you know, football back, and even though it's not really back because of the paint and this weird Hall of Fame thing, but uh, but hey, you know, football is coming back. We have preseason football action beginning on Thursday, August 11th, depending on when you're listening to this, and if you don't have the Red Zone channel, you, um, you're missing out, if I'm being totally honest here. The Red Zone channel is amazing, and... Um, I have uh, I have Uverse. It's the service I have in my home, and Scott Hansen is my Red Zone host. And I saw that they do they usually do this every year a free preview of the Red Zone channel 
during the preseason. So if you don't feel like watching one game on Thursday night, you know, you don't want to watch the Redskins play their their crappy game against whoever, flip on the Red Zone channel. Get a get a taste of the whole NFL. Bite the whole the whole candy bar instead of just one little piece of it. I highly recommend that. And I um I highly recommend on Tuesday, before the preseason even starts, checking out Hard Knocks, the season premiere. Hard Knocks featuring the Los Angeles Rams. This is something that we have been very excited for here on the RJO show. If you remember a few months ago when we spoke to senior producer of NFL Films Paul Camerata, he said that the theme for Hard Knocks this year was sort of go west young man you know sort of you know uh stories that you've been told go to hollywood the bright lights and that's kind of what the rams have done i mean they've literally gone west and it's you know you you backtrack to the the um you know the beginnings of of the country and you know the gold rush and things like that the west coast was thought to be where dreams came true and uh that's a great selling point to hard knocks and shannon Furman also she told us that they'd already been filming this was a few weeks back when she came on to talk all or nothing and i'm really excited for it and we're going to try to get shannon on here in a couple of weeks just to give us a hard knocks update i'll be um i'll be tweeting my thoughts late tuesday night while i'm watching it and talking about it on ocho live which leads me to my next point and you heard about it in the break. Ocho Live this Saturday. This is going to be our routine all season long. And it's going to be kind of complicated. And it's it's not really that complicated, but it's, it's complicated for 140 characters on Twitter. So this is how this thing's going to work, all right? So on Saturday night, after the Cowboys and Rams preseason game is over, I'm going to jump on Ocho Live, which you can follow on the official Facebook page of InsideTheStar.com. Just Google or put in Inside the Star on Facebook and you'll find us. Or my own personal Periscope that you can, you know, you can follow me on Periscope from that app or on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. So we'll jump on. We'll talk about whatever happened, this, that, you know, whatever. Cowboys win by a million points. Awesome. And then right after Ocho Live, I'm going to be jumping in the podcast booth to tape the episode of the RJ Ocho with my fellow staff writer, Sean Martin. Now, during the taping of the RJ Ocho, Sean and I will fire up Ocho Live once again for interaction. Interaction, excuse me. I'm just that excited. And it'll be an interactive portion of the RJO show here. If you're following along on the Ocho Live stream, you can ask questions about, you know, that night's game. Because this is going to be a routine we do throughout the whole season. It's something I'm really excited about. So you can ask a question, get a comment in, and be a part of the taping of the RJO show. And so uh, if you have any questions, just reach out to me. You can email me, rj at rjochoashow.com. Find me on Twitter at RJ Ochoa or the Inside the Star Facebook page. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the RJ Ocho, the first one, I should say, and get ready for the second one. Thank you so much again to all of you who voted and spreaded the word. Um, and just like I said in the open, it means the world to me, and I was very, very touched by it. Make sure you follow Chuck Zada at ITP underscore Chuck Z, and make sure you check out the Inside the Pylon guys. All of them are great. You can follow them at IT Pylon or check them out at Inside the Pylon. Dot com. Thank you, everybody, so much. I'm really excited for this season and to see where Ocho Live and the RJO Show and Inside the Star and everything, where all this goes. It's going to be a, a fun ride, and I think we're going to look back on it and just be like, good golly, that was fun. And uh, that's what I want. That's what I want for you, and that's what I want for all of us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. I'll talk to you this Thursday, the first time I'll be there uh, you know, somewhere on Ocho Live at 4.30 p.m. Central Time. And uh, have a good week, everybody. Do it, and we'll see you soon. As always, go Cowboys. And peace out! Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down? Oh, what you gonna do? 